0: As I said to your brother, thank God this wasn't me
1: again. Well <laughs> <laughs> no. okay. oh, that's the end of the podcast. Thanks, folks. Thanks so much. You, <laughs> Bye. I can't
0: that's hear a it. review of Scott Bryce's best work. Good night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, this. The the microphone is the, is, is the uh, space. Is this good, Miggs?
1: Yeah, that's that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right, Hello. well How are our our uh, I don't know, maybe Scott, well, since Scott's the, 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 um, the actor among us here. It, do you want to, why don't you announce it? It's just uh, welcome to Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast with, and then we'll say our own. Welcome to Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast with... Trace Burroughs. And me, Migs Burroughs.
0: And, and our special guest.
1: Our special guest announcer today is <laughs> Scott Bryce.
0: Scott Bryce.
1: they don't uh, make
0: fun of announcers. My my dad was an announcer and an actor as well. But.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, and, I, and and your mom is well. no. I knew your mom better than your dad because we were yeah. on a committee together. Mom was a lovely person. Um, Thank
0: you. She was sure was. You know what put me through college? I watched him do it too. Was one take. He went into a booth, he put headphones on. He said, "Member FDIC." Thanks, <laughs> Ed. And we went home. And that was a mortgage. Ten thousand banks across the country. Oh my. Yeah, that's and I, thought, and I thought I could do this.
1: <laughs> is that really was that the beginning?
0: Well, no. I mean, I actually I I hated the business because I grew up in it, which is which is relatively normal, actually, if you're not a child actor. And I was not allowed to be an actor until I had done everybody else's job. So I had to do electrics and props and wardrobe and makeup and hair and oh, set construction, yeah. all of it uh, before I was allowed to act. And that was part of the philosophy of. You know, both my parents are multi, uh, well, my father wasn't, but my mom was multi-generational in show business. Um, her, 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 grand, her father was Whitey Maine, He managed the Marx Brothers in May West oh. and was a booking agent in Vaudeville days. And my mother hired my father. That's kind of how they met. But there was an ethic not to do any kind of acting work and to do everybody else's work. And I didn't want to be involved with the business. It was what my parents did. Mm -hmm. And then came the time to tour Staples High School from Bedford Junior High. You know, we had to do that little tour. And 30 of us walked through the nine building and we're like up on the stage. And I'm looking up at the flies and everybody moved on without my knowing it. I'm alone on stage by myself looking around. And a voice from the very, very far back of the theater. And as you know, it's huge. It's 1,100 seats. And I hear Alpia's voice and it says, and I'd never met him. And he says, feel like you're home? Oh, wow. And I turn around you... to this unseeable voice of God. And I said, yes. He said, good. You're the lead in the next play. I'll send the script to your house.
1: Seriously, it was that?
0: And then I left. And it was Brick in the Rose. I played Tommy. And we won the state champion. And I won oh. Best Actor. Gee. And then in my in my junior year of high school, I did the play The Ruling Class by Peter Barnes, a paranoid schizophrenic who thinks he's Jesus Christ, later to be turned into a brilliant film. And uh, the, the show was a massive hit. Opening night, my parents come, and they were very somber backstage. And I mm. thought something was up. And I looked at my dad. I said, was I okay? And my dad said, you were brilliant, son. We'll see you at home. And it was very up. And I go to the cast party, and I'm tormented because I think mm. something's happened to one of my brothers. There's something horrible has gone wrong. So I left the cast party early. I walk into my parents' home, where I'm living, and my mother's on the couch sobbing uncontrollably. And my father's trying to console her, and I'm convinced one of my brothers. And... Oh. I walk in, I go, what's going on? What's wrong? And my mom looks up and she says, we know you're an actor. <laughs> <laughs> and she was heartbroken. Even that was her business. Oh. I was like, why? She says, there's no way to protect you from the pain. Oh, I
2: thought it was happy tears that you joined oh, the family. She was yeah.
0: horrified. And, you know, and again, I was forbidden from acting until I was, you know, in high school. And so to my wife, who's multi-generational in the business, I said, we've got to protect our son from doing this. So let's tell him that he has a moral and ethical obligation to carry on the family lineage because he would now be the fifth generation. Hmm. and Therefore, it's a requirement that he know all of Shakespeare, right? Hmm. Well, so now he's an elite basketball player, has no interest in the business whatsoever. Fingers crossed. Yeah, the reverse psychology. Yes, exactly. Pretty good.
1: Well, I don't know. Trace, did you, were you in the players? I, no, I, uh. You had Al a, didn't you
2: No, I had, um, I, oh, I think, no, I don't know who I had. I don't forget. I don't remember. Maybe it was Pia. Yeah. Cause I, I was wasn't in the in players. players. I had friends in the players and,
1: um, but, uh. No, but I, I, I was in it, but I wasn't an actor. I was doing lighting and, um. Uh, I was the only idiot that would get up on a ladder. Or a grid. Yeah, get up. You know, I didn't. I don't think they even had a catwalk then. They just had this ninety-foot ladder you had to crawl up to. to well, they know. had a catwalk, but it would
0: only support the weight of a cat. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's right. when I when
2: I was in fifth grade, we did a minstrel show.
1: Oh yeah, at Saugatuck
2: School. And um, the kids picketed the front was so, you know, (laughs) politically incorrect, you know, so a bunch of kids who were real activists at the time, they're sixth graders, picketed the front of the school saying this is wrong. You know, I played the interlocutor, which I guess is just like someone who said like, you know, introduce introduce the next act or something.
0: Yikes. (laughs) Yeah, no, no yeah. <laughs> well, I forgot,
1: if I, we use up all our free minutes on on zoom if i listed all your credits here but i'll just pop over a few um people i mean uh, it's homeland 30 rock law and order which i want to talk about sex in the city murphy brown now you made a comment well, maybe it was at rachel's house but you've been married would you say like in well, I'm, I'm TV, trying to remember
0: all I'm trying to remember how many times I've been married on television, but I think it goes like this. So it was uh, Meg Ryan on as the world turns. Uh-huh. And then I married uh, Joe on the facts of life. And then I married uh, uh, on TV dad, Annabelle Gerwich. And then I married um, somebody else on as the world turns, Marie, uh, Marie Wilson on as the world turns. I married Corky Sherwood on uh Murphy Brown that and I was Will Forrest. So that made her quirky Sherwood Forrest. <laughs> and then, uh, I'm trying Oh, I almost married Lisa Dar. I'm popular. But the wedding was interrupted at the last on the end of the second season show. So we never actually got married. And I think that's it. So I'm, I'm looking at like six weddings. When I was younger, when I was only like four, I had all four wedding photographs in my apartment in New York City. And so when I would bring a girl over, they would like see these, weird <laughs> women, you know, and I'd be like, "I know." And they all died in some strange, oh, yeah. irritable accident. Yeah. Can I get you a drink? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, but yeah, I want to put them all together. Luckily, in real life, I've only been married once. But, yeah.
1: So your resume just says groom, 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 groom. I
0: guess groom. I was like, I guess in the '90s, I was like the groom guy, you know, and, and I got I got typecast as typecast. You know, a little, I fit in all the tuxedos at wardrobe, so it
1: was just easy. Yeah. What was your favorite? I mean, I mean well, Trace has been was on a soap opera briefly. Um, I think I, I was mean, on we... One Life to Live as an extra oh, um, wow, back yeah. in the
2: '80s, late '80s. Yeah. And I played a policeman in a court scene. And um, I was with another a woman who's my partner, you know, and uh, she was like saying, I don't want to, the director saying, move here and walk there. And she didn't want to do that and was making a fuss. And I just wanted to be like in the background and just tell me what to do. And he threatened to kick me off the set. He stopped the whole thing. Looked, looked, there were, like <laughs> 40 people and said, if I hear one more sound out of you, you're, you're off. To you? To me. But she, there was no time to say it, it's her fault. You know, he just heard noise. He's busy trying to coordinate the whole cast. And then, um, and so I couldn't, so, it, you know, that was that. And you know, you know, also, really- let's,
0: start, let's start with the premise. I don't want to do what the director tells me to do. We yes, know. it was insane. A fundamental, but what like you- breakdown here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy. <laughs> she's yeah. in the wrong place. And she's just an extra, too,
2: you know. <laughs> you're
1: trying to make a living in show business. So, so you were in As World Turns for, what, like a decade or? Well, I did you As the World Turns
0: off and on. I mean, I had, I was. I was very, very fortunate. They let me come and go and it allowed me to build a primetime career which mm. is incredibly important i didn't know how difficult you know there are no rules today i mean literally cross platforms whatever mm. there's no there's no rules but back in the day daytime television was a very very specific thing and primetime very specific and movies very tough and it was very hard to what was called crossover incredibly mm. difficult and so when i got to primetime how that happened and how i wound up on facts of life was when i left as the world turns with my agents going who knows what's going to happen you got to know that and i leave and the show aired of my final episode it turns out that all the girls on facts of life watched as the world turns and george clooney had just left the show that was that was uh nancy joe the character joe's boyfriend and so nancy goes bring me scott Rice." (laughs) <laughs> and the next thing I know, I'm on an airplane out to Los Angeles in a hotel suite at the Mondria. I'm working on facts of life. And I didn't even know at the time what a huge, mm. was a huge gift that was for me. And then a similar thing happened when I got into uh, my first big movie, which is up close and personal with Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer. And getting that, I was released from the show, the film, like seven times. And finally, I was—I get a phone call, because John Abnett, the director, really wanted me in the movie. And the studio didn't want to, I was a television person, so they were trying mm. to, it wasn't big enough. And finally, he has me fly out for the table read. I'm the only part that has yet to be cast. So I go out to the table read, everybody there's got the job. Mm-hmm. And I put my stuff down on the table, and then, Robert Redford comes in and puts his stuff down next to mine, and I realize, okay, that's obviously the wrong place. So I go grab my stuff and I move it you know, far, a little further away from the king. And then uh, Michelle Pfeiffer comes in and she sits down, and I notice that my stuff is now bet- back next to Redford, between Michelle Pfeiffer and Redford. Well, this can't be the right place. So I go back to remove my things. When John Abnet's hands come down on my stuff, mm. first get down to the table. He goes, you sit where I tell you. Ooh. And I went, oh, wow, he's sitting me between Redford and Pfeiffer. So I sit down, we do Mm. the table read. Mm. And when it comes to my first scene with her, it's going extremely well. She and I connected very well. And I watched the head of the studio lean over to casting and whisper in their ear, who the hell is that? (laughs) And he said, "Television." <laughs> then, oh, that was, that was, was in Mr. my name. Mr. Television. On the, on the first day of rehearsal for the movie, and this I will never forget, I will be grateful to Michelle Pfeiffer forever for this. So I get the call from the third AD, you know, it says you go park at the Sony lot, and you're going to take a the bus over, like there's a, a, a commuter bus that takes all the people who work, you know, and then you'll, you'll come through security and we'll set you up with a honey wagon. Now, your honey wagon, just so your viewers, uh, listeners know, is there's tiny little dressing rooms in a row, and there's a men's room and a, and a boys' room, and it's for like the waiter. And it's for the, you know those people that you get a dressing room, not in holding, you're not an extra, but you don't have a really huge part. And they didn't know who I was. And so I had a park at the lot, and then I take it over, and it took me like 45 minutes to get there. I finally get into rehearsal. We're sitting down, rehearsal's about to go, and the rehearsal is John Abnett, the director, Robert Redford, Michelle Pfeiffer, and myself for two days. <laughs> So I'm already an actor heaven. I'm like, yeah, this exactly. is, it doesn't get bigger league than this, guys. And so I'm, I, there I am at the table, it's going pretty well. And then the PAs bring in some coffee. And they put down coffee for Michelle, coffee for Redford, coffee for Abnet. They turn and start to go. And Michelle says, excuse me. And they turn and there was an edge in her voice. You could mm. hear her. And yes, Michelle. And she says, I believe you forgot coffee for my Costa. Ooh, nice. Mm. And at which point Redford goes, Scott, why did you take mine? And I said, Oh no, Bob, wow, that's fine. I'm okay. It's all right. And now there's panic, and a PA comes running over. How do you like your coffee? <laughs> 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 just black, no sugar, fine. Thank you. Do you want anything to eat? No, really, just the coffee, it's... fine. And is it going away? Michelle says, Never do that again. Ooh. And we go back to work, and I say nothing. This is right. Mm. There's, this is not my time to speak, folks. Right. So we go back into rehearsal about an hour later, second AD. So now I'm past PAs. Now the second Mm. AD is talking to me. And he's asking for my car keys and the parking ticket while I'm in a scene with Michelle. It's kind of an annoyance. I hand it off. I'm not even thinking. And he leaves. And we finish the day. At five o'clock, Michelle walks. That's it. She's got her kids. She's going out. And she has this beautiful star trailer next to redford 's beautiful star trailer, and she 's got this like you know play pen out for her children and the nannies there and at five o 'clock she 's a mommy again. I highly respect her. so she leaves first Redford, then abnet i 'm signing out last with the first a d who now looks at me and says, "Mr. Bryce, will you be requiring a limousine service or you be your own car?" And he points right outside the door and there is my car parked in front of a star trailer with my name. on
1: Oh, wow.
0: All because Michelle Pfeiffer said, I think you forgot coffee for my Costa. It not not so either. it was one of those moments where I realized the importance of, that power that you can have and how yeah. you can elevate somebody with just kindness.
1: Do you have Do you have to fight being starstruck in those situations? I mean, you 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 know, it's like, oh my god, I'm sitting between. I mean, you're you're in the the profession, but you've been elevated, you know.
0: It was pretty. It was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I'm looking, and I will also tell you. First of all, Redford's an incredibly wonderful guy and so welcoming and warm and down to earth, and you know, not what you would expect. And frankly, I've, I've, I've the amount of people that I would call not nice in this business that I've encountered stars I could count on one hand. I mean, and it's usually some kind of weird mental thing I think with them. Um, most <laughs> people are really incredibly nice. Make yeah. suffers from that. <laughs> <laughs> and I would also tell you that Michelle Pfeiffer at uh, stepping out back of back to your <laughs> six so. o'clock in the morning, and she's got no makeup on, and her hair's not done. She's in a blue juice and t-shirt. Mm. every human being and most of the world's creatures stop and watch her walk to her trailer because it's astonishing she's like a rodin sculpture she's more beautiful in person than she is on screen and it's kind of it's literally breathtaking like you just go you know it's otherworldly and and one of the nicest people ever we had oh, a really great time
1: you wonder how they keep that yeah i mean they say is the you know that cliche the camera loves somebody's I mean is there a magical thing between
0: it yeah I mean I think well I think there is I mean you know look there's a great a great master class available Um, uh, I'm I'm spacing out on the actor's name and I love him Uh, Michael Caine and Michael Caine does a wonderful master class which anybody can rent and he talks about the camera and he's holding it in front of his class he goes he touches the camera and he says this magnificent creature either loves you or it doesn't. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's really true. I've seen amazing stage actors who cannot work the camera, just you can't do it. Then there's other stories like, and I, I won't use the name of who the actor is, but there was a stunt guy I know, a producer man, Chaz Menendez, great friend. And he's working on a huge feature in New York and he's looking at the monitor and there's this movie star on the monitor. And then he looks off the monitor to the actual person sitting in the chair doing the scene. This is what we're looking at. And it's like a schlub. I'm looking at a schlub on screen, movie star, schlub, movie star. it's like, how is that possible? Yeah. You know, I did a, I did a, a show years ago with Pamela Anderson. I was an FBI agent. Pam Anderson, Molly Culver. And this girl walked by. It was like the third episode I had done. And this girl walked by and she had a cut on her head. And I asked if she was okay. And she said, yeah. And she looked like, kind of like a New Jersey mall girl. You know what I mean? And I asked her if she needed anything. No, I'm fine. Thank you for your courtesy. And somebody else came out. And a nurse came out. And they said, oh, Pamela, are you all But right? mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. That's Pam? And I realized what she becomes on mm-hmm. camera is something huge and otherworldly. And, and yet she knows it. She was totally aware of it. It was this weird kind of hollywood version of kabuki theater that suddenly <laughs> becomes something else you know and there are actors that have that where where my dad explained that when he did he was in the wrong man with uh hank fonda a hitchcock movie and this is a great television story my father at the time had was doing a show called tom Corbett, space cadet where he played a uh it's a science fiction show he played captain strong he was also doing a soap opera at the time so limousines are arriving and hank fonda gets out and there's nothing and then you know uh, Hitchcock gets out, there's nothing. And my dad pulls up at his Volkswagen. It took 14 cops to get him inside the church where they were shooting for the court. And so this message comes down from Hitchcock who watched the whole thing, goes, who the hell are you? And the answer again back then was television. And my dad's part was like massacre. So he's, you see his arm and the side of his face come into the movie. That's it. All of it was cut out because they movies were threatened by television at that time, even though now all mm-hmm. they do is make old television shows. Yeah, yeah. But he talked about Fonda and he thought he watched this thing where he thought it was a rehearsal. Because Fonda was doing like he thought nothing. I mean, he felt like he was just reading the words with nothing. And then he went, Hitchcock goes, brilliant, print. And they were moving on. But that was like that was nothing. And then he saw the movie. It hmm. was brilliant. And <laughs> <laughs> it was like this this incredible performance by Hank Fonda. And it was, the, it was the moment that my father realized what less or less is more means and how the reduced performance to the camera is so difficult for stage actors. We're used to hitting the back, you know, the, the last row of the balcony. And when the camera's, the lens focal point is inches from your face, it's a very intimate thing. And either you're going to have it or you're not. You get that close to somebody at a bar, you're not necessarily asking for the phone number. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Today you'd be asking to go in a hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Have you been tested?
1: And <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, it would, it, Briefly, how are actors? What? How? How have you and or friends adapted to this? Are there? What's the new model for for entertainment for you? We don't know yet.
0: I mean, let's start with this: that I really believe this too shall pass. Yeah, and I really believe that, and I I look. You know, the Spanish flu came and it was devastating to the world far worse than this and it went away it it came in spring went came back in the winter it was horrible and we haven't had it since so we've been here before these pandemics do happen this will pass i hope it changes us in a core way that we're aware of our environment of our world our families of our stuff we've been we've been putting time out and may and may good things come out of that um that said, everything in production is obviously put off. Now, Chris Noth and, and uh, a, a few other friends of mine, Tamara Tooney, who's like my sister to me, literally, we were that close. And we were laughing about two years ago <clears throat> at a bar talking about how there's now these audition on tape things. So you don't have to come in, just audition on tape and submit it. And I was laughing thinking, first of all, that's the end of casting directors. They don't know it yet, but the producer will just go send me your tape and I'll. I'll have my assistant cull through it, you know? And then we laughed and we said, actually what's coming is, because it'll be way cheaper, we're just going to send you a a green screen behind you to all the actors that are in, and you just do your
2: lines.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we'll cut it all together later. We'll we'll turn it into a movie. And we joked about it. We were thinking about making a little TV show, like a 15-minute show, based on self-tape at home. Now it doesn't, that was a joke. And now it seems like, you know, we'll see. Awesome. Possible,
2: sure. If everyone was equipped with the screen and everything,
0: yeah. But the theaters, you know, the theaters were closed in 1918 and 19 as well, mm. and and it looked horrible. And people wearing masks in the city of New York, and 650 thousand dead in Manhattan alone. Yeah. Nice. And the, the population of Manhattan was way, way, way less, somewhere like 50 to 70 million worldwide. Well, two years later starts the Roaring Twenties.
1: Yeah, yeah. And oh,
0: yeah. and this incredible economic surge and Sexual liberation that had not been seen before, which may have come from inability to touch each other. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> <laughs> pent up stuff, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I feel like it will pass. I hope that we learn lessons from it that I believe we're supposed to be learning.
1: Yeah, no, it's Trace, did you have a. No,
0: no. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm just
2: curious, did you study acting in college? Did you do that? Or...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. After, after, um, Staples Players, which I got to tell you, Al Pia is a remarkable, remarkable teacher. And if you look, if you look up the list of Staples Players alumni, it actually is jaw dropping. I mean, going back even before Al Pia, you know, Christopher Lloyd. It's like it was oh, a Staples yeah. oh, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it goes on and on. And, on. Um, and then I went to Juilliard, uh, which I left before I graduated, which is not unusual. Um, I left of my own choice. Half the classes told to leave by Christmas <laughs> it's no. like really brutal um and so I did a lot of training there and then I did training where you're supposed to do it which is the regional theaters and unfortunately the regional theaters are really struggling now but that used to be where I would work where I would work with people that were better than me I learned I learned the most when I'm working with people that are skilled at it um and are better than me and then challenge.
1: well Trace and I both apprenticed at the playhouse in different times and uh and I and I went back further, but in the '60s. But uh, yeah, the regional—you'd get movie stars and Broadway stars in the plays at the Playhouse. You know, these these plays that would move around the country, and um, and they were great to watch. But um, you don't so have as many of the
2: the big stars that you know go to play. You know, do that anymore? Like back then, you know, all the ma- major film stars would would do that kind of thing.
0: Yes. And now they feel, they feel like it would be beneath them, which, yeah. is, too, which is too bad because if that's too bad. What's happened to the theater? You know, the theater has been, you know, there's two sets of theater now too. I mean, there's the giant spectacle as there, in, as there is in Hollywood. If you look what's happening in movies, Hollywood is doing the, the blockbuster and insane. Everybody's in a giant blue room and people yeah, yeah. are thinking, yeah, Oh, yeah. the dinosaur's bigger. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody's trying to make it up. And, uh, and then there are these small little intimate films. And those are the ones that seem to take home best actor, Oscars, best acting you now. Yeah. What?
2: What's um, one of your favorite films?
0: Like of all time?
2: Yeah, or top five or
0: whatever. Lawrence of Olivier, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, uh-huh. uh, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which frankly has got the most terrifying tornado ever built. Isn't that amazing? And it was made really out of like.
2: A it's Stocking, a, it? it's a
0: thirty-five-foot piece of fabric cut oh, into oh. A long triangles. Sp- spun up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, millions are being spent now, and that would yeah, yeah. be way, way better. Um, there are so many films. Uh, uh, you know, uh, an affair to remember. Um, uh, my favorite year. There's so many. There, there, yeah, the- there are so many films that it's hard for me to say what's my favorite because that it changes. So often I think I I look at movies as I get older, I see the story in a different way. I can see a play again a second time as an older human and and it reflects to me differently. It has different messages for me. Um, There's something so alive about theater versus film. Film is an extraordinary medium. It can tell amazing stories in this incredible breadth, But to have the intimacy of the human being in front of you Who's, who is the character who is going through it and you're watching it in real time. And there's a moment, as my, my father explained it to me, there's a moment when the audience becomes a character mm-hmm. and you can actually hear it happen. And, and i learned that you can hear it. So if the play is good, and the better the play, the earlier it happens, and something like, you know, Raising the Sun, maybe it's like five minutes in, where all of a sudden you realize that all these people who come from different lives, they're different ages, they're different genders, they're different politics, different beliefs. And yet all of them just chuckled at the same moment. All of them just Mm -hmm. wept at the same Mm -hmm. moment. All of them just had this universal human moment of connection. And that's the gift, I believe, of storytelling. Humans are storytellers. We always have the, the guy who could tell the story about the hunt the best at the, at the, at the fire while we're the, cave,
2: the caveman drawings. That <laughs> was, was the cave. movie
0: star of his day, you know. Uh, religion and churches became theatrical events, and now we've got this. I think it's a human contact that we need to to see each other's stories and to to see if there's where's the human connection. And the three of us, we have completely different lives, and yet here we are. There's a deep connection that mm. we have, and and we need to celebrate that and to find that. And I hope. Again, I hope that in this separation with COVID-19 that we hunger for that enough. And I don't mean like false contact, I mean real Mm, connection. It's not about I want something from you, it's about how are you.
1: I even noticed, well this is a good way to end because we're out of time, but I I even noticed on CNN, the reporters, I mean, they're really, well, a lot of them are, you know, broadcasting from their own homes, but their conversations are much more personal. Yes you know, polish of the the of the anchor has sort of been dissolved and uh, they're just people trying to connect themselves, you know.
0: Well, no one is selling anything. We're all reporting and no, none of us are in power talking down because we've all, as a race, the human species, have been humbled by something we cannot see. And uh, that's a good thing to remember, that there are things way more powerful than us were. Yeah election days or your 401k or how high the stock market is i mean you know my wife i can hear singing right now my son is healthy i've eaten today <laughs> I mean, yeah like yeah. you know we can, there's some basic stuff that i think we can just be gratitude and humility i would love to see coming great
1: perfect well we have to say Anything. bye because zoom's about to. yeah thanks so much scott scott bryce thank you
0: absolutely thanks guys great to talk to you
1: take care
0: all right be bye safe.